What's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name's Ellen. My name's Josh. My name's Hunter, and I hope you guys are just thrown off. I think it was uh, a couple weeks ago when I butchered the uh, intro. Somebody came up, and they're like, that one's funny that you you totally blew it and all this stuff, and I thought it was funny, and so I, I was telling Alan and Josh, and I was like, you know, here and there, we just we might do little things. Just keep them guessing. Absolutely. See if people are listening that's to come M- up and tell us. That's my MO anyway. Just keep them on their edge. <laughs> keep, them on, keep them on their toes. Yeah. So uh, hopefully you guys, uh, well, you listen to this, and maybe you'll start catching on the little things that we switch up. And uh, let us know if you catch on to it. It's just fun, and that's what that's what we're wanting to do. I know we talk about scripture in here, and that's the basis of this podcast. But God's people are supposed to be happy. Yeah, yes. and the, some, they they should be the most excited, joyous, glad-hearted people in the world. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we like having fun. That's a big thing too. So and coffee. Yeah, yes. and we yeah we've got coffee going. So uh, we're drinking Maxwell House this week. Shout, uh, out, last to Ma- co- shout out to Maxwell House. Uh, we're not sponsored, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're drinking some Maxwell House this week. We're out of. I gotta get some more Fogler's over here. Or uh, we, I think it was the week we had Chad in here. I brought some coffee from our pastor called Death Wish. Yeah. Um, and I th- I think he's getting ready to get some more, and so we might we might switch back over next week. Um, but also, like, we've done, uh, have we done Black Rifle Coffee in here? Did I bring some I yet? Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that'll be. You, you brought some uh, over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I brought some to Josh and his family. Maybe, we, maybe we'll try that here in a couple of weeks. I don't know how, but I walked in our pastor's office today, and I look on his desk, and there's a business card to a coffee distributor for Black <laughs> Rifle. And I just go, why do you have that? And he goes, I know people. <laughs> and that's all he said. So I was like, well, okay, that's cool. So maybe we'll just grab us a bag. We'll leave it in here, but uh, this isn't about coffee tasting. But we'll we'll talk about this, Matt. Or it's okay. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It depends who makes coffee. If I make it, um, I know Alan and Josh like it thick. Maybe there's a little foam on the top of it because it's so thick. Uh, your hair stands up on your neck first sip. Your breath smells terrible after two sips. Um, so even after brushing your teeth, <laughs> your your toothbrush turns brown from all the coffee <laughs> on your teeth. So, uh, but uh, we 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 love some coffee in here. So, uh, but yeah, we're gonna get going. Um, I'll say this: I want to clear something up. Josh reminded me. I'm so thankful. Last week in our podcast, I talked about Mark nine. Now I, I kind of. I didn't do justice last week, if I'm being honest, in explaining what Mark 9 was talking about, what my point was. And if you remember, Mark 9 talks about if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, for it's better to enter heaven with one eye than to enter hell with both. Um, and, and the thing I want to clarify, if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, you're not going to hell. Um, the emphasis of that text last week that I was really focusing on was cutting sin. Um, out of your life. And as Christians, we should be able to read that and think, man, we really do need to cut some sin out of our life. But I didn't go the extra step to really keep it um, in the context and just, I mean, make the obvious that Christians don't go to hell just because uh, they have to cut things out of their life or maybe they sin. You know, once we're saved, we're sealed by Christ. Um, We can't lose our salvation. No sin, no action. The Bible even says no one can take us from his hand or pluck us away. Jesus said that he'll never lose them. Um, and so I just wanted to come back and say that because um, last week, actually a listener, a good, I mean, a good, a good friend um, that obviously knew what I was talking about just mentioned that it, I really didn't do justice in that and it could be taken the wrong way. So I just wanted to come back and kind of uh, attack that and add that on that uh, if you are a Christian and you still sin, if you're truly saved by God, you're going to heaven regardless. Um, but we, we do need to cut sins out of our life. Is that not the truth? Yes. Um, yes. And so that's part of sanctification. So I wanted to come back and just address that. But uh, um, So this week we're going to continue with our um, session, our, I guess, series on pay closer attention. So this week we've got um, three new questions. And I think you guys might listen to this and realize that Maybe we kind of mention the same things or we're talking about salvation in these three sessions. And you're right. Um, If we do repeat stuff, that's the point. Because that's why this is called pay closer attention. Now, we do have some questions this week. And the three questions we are going to be discussing. um, uh, Number one, what is required prior to belief in order to be saved? Number two, what is faith and our belief towards? Number three, is it the gospel that convicts or the spirit? 
And then a part two to that question is, what do we do at the moment of conviction? And then to end the podcast today, we'll talk about, have we complicated that as Christians and as a church? So, um, And we may have talked about some of these last week. I think we kind of jumped ahead of the horse. Um, but w- I think what I've noticed is uh, we're good at that in here. We <laughs> we really do jump ahead of the horse, but that's okay because we just get so excited about this. Um, so when we look at this first question of what is required prior to belief in order to be saved. Um, let me, uh, guys, you care if I kick that off? Go right I want to read a definition to start us off. So a, a word that really goes with this is the word enlightenment. Um, and the, the Greek word for enlightenment is photizo. Um, it appears in the scriptures multiple times, but photizo means this, to shed rays. That is to shine or or to brighten up, literally or figuratively. All right. So look here: enlighten, illuminate, light, make to see. So when we look at this word at all, enlightenment, this is a huge part of prior salvation, because as a person that is born into sin, I'm lost in my my sins. Galatians says that. I mean, we heard our pastor and uh, our Bible studies this weekend and our men's class. We talked about it completely um, in the light of election that we are dead in our sins. I mean, completely. There's no one seeks God. No, not one. He covered that. Um, Side note, I'd encourage you guys. Message Monday was actually posted today. That is my fault. Um, But it it was his sermon from Sunday morning about um, missing the obvious. And he really, I mean, goes into no one seeks God. No one looks for God. No one can do all that. So I just encourage you, if you want to learn more about that, go check out Message Monday for this week. But when we look at what's required prior to belief. So let's think about this. So here we are, guys. We're at the point, a person's at the point where they are getting ready to believe and repent and put their faith in Christ. So now, what has to happen prior to that? What takes place before that? Here's a better question. What does God do before we get to that point? So the Bible says you're begotten by the word and drawn by the spirit. So at at some point, and you have to have heard, but at that point of going even farther or deeper than just a intellectual knowledge or knowing about God, the Spirit of God has to enlighten you to the fact that you're lost. You, yes. need, you need a Savior. Uh, and I've I, I've said it and pastors said it and, and, and it's been said by men for years and years. I would have never been smart enough to figure out that I was lost. Right. I yeah. would have never known. If God hadn't revealed it to me, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that when before He reveals it to us, we don't know. Yep. Like we we you know I mean we don't think of our sinful actions. We don't think of anything. I mean, on a moralist side, we might maybe yes. Yep. On we we, we yep. might just but that's just because of morals. Yeah. Um. Or our upbringing or their geographical area around us. But aside from that, no. I mean, we would continue in sin and it would not bother us because we would we have not been enlightened yep. yet. And that's that's the thing about it. Like so, once we become enlightened, that's what, you know. It, you can't revert back to that and stay there because you now have are that awareness. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, it's even like this. Um, when you study out, um, like especially like doctrine and theology, you realize some terms that maybe we've talked about in here. Like one term that you'll learn is with within scripture and throughout it is something referred to as a general revelation of God. So this is just a common knowledge that there's a God that all of us have. Right. Now, when you get into the next part of that, we talk about special revelation. Uh, I think we live in a time where people have ruined the word revelation because they've taken it out of context. Um, Revelation means something is revealed. And that's God's job yep. mm-hmm. to reveal things to us. Like revelations is revelations that Christ gave John and revealed to him. But now people are just taking it and it means whatever. But when you look at a special revelation from God, that's Christ. That That's salvation. And so when someone is walking around in this world, I, I want to I paint a picture real quick. If a person was born in complete darkness and never saw light, would they ever know they were in the darkness? No. Yep. It would just, I mean, literally, if a person... It's normal. If, yeah. Listen, when you get in John chapter 9, John chapter 9, not a man born blind, okay, he can see now. 
So his whole life, he never knew what it felt like to see because he was always blind. So that's what Josh and Alan both were talking about. Like, you don't know you're lost until someone shows you. Yep. Just like you don't know you're blind until someone heals you, or you don't know you've born, been born in darkness until someone shows you. Now, let me, let me let me paint another analogy. Like, if you were born in the woods, you'd never know what the city's like right. until someone showed it to you. So, obviously, we cannot understand or learn new things until what? Someone shows it to us. Yep. I never knew what math was until someone taught me. I never knew what history was until... So, things being revealed is a common practice in everyday human life, and it's because God, when He designed life, one thing I love about God is that when he made humans, we're, I mean, we're patterned people. There's nothing new under the sun. But God does things. So, like, if God reveals things, we reveal things. Mm-hmm. But what God reveals is way more important than what we revealed, but we were made in his image, right? right. He gave us our personalities. He gave us knowledge. He gave us wisdom. And so, therefore, if God has given us an opportunity to teach and reveal things to others, then ultimately it stems from the Creator. Now, obviously, because of sin, we're very flawed. And here's the thing. The things we reveal are not divine, are not like spiritual, godly things. If I teach someone math, that's not a divine revelation from God. That's just, I'm teaching someone what algebra is, which I'm terrible at, so I wouldn't. But when God reveals things to someone, it's because they don't know it, or they don't see it. And that's what I love about the Bible and... If we read the Bible, we're, we're reading about people, right, that lived these events out in real life time. But now God has revealed things to us from their lives. So without this, we never would learn the things of God. We never would see the things of God. So when someone's lost in their sins, if God doesn't reveal it to them, they'll never know. Now, Josh hit a pretty good point. A moralist might. An intellectual might. I, I, I want to beg to differ on one point of that. And you guys will agree with this. Someone might, in their mind, acknowledge that they're lost. Someone might know they're lost. Someone might know what lostness is. But there's a difference when your heart is completely broken yep. and contrite because you know you're lost yep. within yourself. And it's just like I got to preach this last Sunday night, and I talked about double-minded. And when you get into James 4, he talks about worldliness. But I talked about at the end when he said, let your joy turn to mourning. Let your laughter turn to weeping. James was talking about what happens when someone's convicted by God. The life they live, the happiness they have, the things they know become mourning and weeping because God's convicted them of the sins that they're in. That is what I mean God must reveal to someone that they're lost. Yes. And that that's evident. Absolutely. Because without that, they won't have an initiative or a want to call out, confess with the mouth, and believe in the heart. Right. And so when we talk about this word enlightenment, maybe maybe this would help. Um Alan, when you were saved how did I mean? How, how did that go? Tell us a little bit about your conversion. So uh, I was just sitting here in my brain, scary place in there, thinking about the day that the Holy Spirit revealed to me that I was lost, and when He did, and I don't know how He impacts and influences everyone else, but I'll tell you a little bit about my experience. The first time God spoke to me, and I was clearly aware that I was lost it scared me literally to death now evidently it didn't scare me bad enough to move me to a point of repentance because I quenched and I fought and I resisted and I didn't accept Christ the first time he spoke to me or the second time he spoke to me I don't know what age I was I know I was 12 when I accepted Christ but he spoke to me long before I was 12 and that time of understanding and knowing without a doubt that you know what if you died right now you're not going to go to heaven is the most unsettling time that I can even try to describe to somebody and I don't want to get super emotional or, or try to dramatize things because speaking from a personal yeah. point you know what I'm saying because everybody's not affected the way I am 
But here's what I know. I remember brought up in church my entire life. My dad was a deacon. We were in church. I don't ever remember missing two Sundays in a row. <laughs> I'm just saying. Good godly parents that taught me right from wrong. I remember the day my brother was saved. Good Holy Ghost meeting. Now, I know something was going on, but I was just a young kid. Yeah. Uh, so I asked my mom, I said, what's, what's going on? Well, your, your brother's getting saved. Well, I want to get saved. Well, then my mom instantly starts being the uh, intelligent, spiritual uh, role of a virtuous woman starts asking me some probing questions. Why do you want to get saved? Well, well I'm going to heaven. She could tell that the absence of the Holy Spirit was not prompting me to be saved. I didn't want to go get saved because I was lost. I wanted to get saved because my brother was getting saved, right? So, again, uh, that experience that I had later in life when he spoke to me, when I should have went, I didn't. I wanted to go on my own. Then when yeah. God spoke to me, I resisted and didn't. Yes. But uh, when, when God revealed it to me, uh, literally, it was a, a revelation of, I am undone. Yeah. I'm empty. Yeah. Or, There's something missing about me. Yeah. Um, Josh, what about you? Yeah, mine was um, mine was a bit different. Like I said, I prior to the, the, the well, actually, the moment that it happened, um, there was nobody around me. I don't think time was moving in that moment because it was it was literally that weight was so heavy on me. Like I said, I mean, I, it didn't matter if there was a hundred people standing next to me or there was nobody. Um, I knew that I was apart from him. Yeah. Yeah. And I seen myself in a way that I have never seen myself prior to that. And that's the thing that, the, you know, the sinful state of, that I was in, I didn't, the wrong that I had done other humans weighed on me, but nowhere to the extent of exactly knowing yeah. that, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had to have lived my life against yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. a holy, just God. And I was an adversary. And at that moment, that's when I realized that, you know, I had to get right with him. And that was the only thing that matters. And the, not only was it the only thing that mattered, there, there, it, didn't, it, it didn't matter what people thought of it, what people seen me as, and the weight being lifted was everybody was going to hear about it. Yep. I don't care who you are. Yeah. The guy crossing the street, I'm like honking my horn. Hey, come here, buddy. <laughs> I got something to tell you. Because it's, it's the, the, that revelation. Like I said, I, I understood my state and my condition. Yeah. I, I agree 100% because, like I said, even at the age of 12, uh, I had spent some years under conviction. And I got pretty good at being the church kid, the deacon's kid yeah. that uh, would find something in the parking lot to watch while the altar call was going on and just block God out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the day when the Holy Spirit overwhelmed me, I couldn't tell you if there was anybody else in that church or not. No, nope. My brother was nowhere in my mind. Yep. It was a realization of where I stood yes. in the presence of the Holy God yep. and the fact that without him... I have no hope. Yes. I have no hope. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things, too, is that, like, you know, prior to that, I tried it myself. Like, what Hunter was talking about, you know, having that, like, I, I mean, it was from a moralist view. Yeah. It was from, the, I mean, it was like, this this is what I need. This is what I, <laughs> I have to do, you know. And But because I was pushing myself towards that, it would last a short time. And then I would be right back undone yeah because nothing ever changed that state of me did not change i didn't really understand i yeah. was looking for i i basically had this mindset is that i know that i did not believe in god at this moment but i'm like if there is something to this christian lifestyle and there is something to what they're doing and they keep talking about i want that ticket because i thought right. that, that that i right. truly thought that that's what it was about yeah. i want that Free and, ticket. And me being here, you know, thirty eight years later, and, and I looking back, I say I spent some years. I don't I don't know. I don't I didn't record it and keep track of it. It may have just been, you know, 
five or six months. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it, to me, it seemed like a forever. Yes. I was in that condition where, man, I was. it was dark. I lay down the bed. And li- listen, guys, I may be oversharing. If I am, stop me. <laughs> I would lay down in the bed and pray the sinner's prayer. And say, God, save me. God, save me. And I'd get up and start to my parents' bedroom. And Satan would talk me out of telling them what happened before I got in there. And I, mom, I'd open the door and mom and dad said, what's wrong? I said, I had a nightmare. There's okay. something else was going on. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't confess with my mouth. I would right. pray it in my heart, wouldn't confess it with my mouth. But the day that God saved my soul, son, there was, I didn't, I didn't care. Right. I didn't care. It doesn't matter. I didn't care who was watching. I didn't care what was going on. Well, and you, you probably didn't really take that step at those times because that wasn't real. Yeah. I mean, to, it, it's not real until you know yeah. it's real. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of people say, you know, and you know, and you know, and that's a general. How about you, though? Well, I, I mean, I'll get, yeah, okay. Um. So, yeah, I was eight when I was out of VBS. I can't remember. But I remember a friend, my cousin, and an older teenager in our church. Everybody went up to pray, right? So, for some odd reason, I, f- I felt bad. And I was crying. So I was like, well, I need to go too. So I'm up there and I'm just kind of crying. I don't think I really prayed anything, but somebody kind of came over me. And I just, it was like a deep voice is like, you want to get saved today, boy? And I was like, yeah. Because I, I mean, that's what I grew up in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, well, there is. But he he wasn't doing that out of a bad place. Correct. I mean, really, he was concerned. because yeah. I understood. I was, I was young, right? So, I mean, I don't even remember what I prayed. They told me what to, and I prayed it, and I was like, oh, I got saved. So, to me, though, it was fun because now me and my cousin, my friend, we're all about to get baptized in a creek. Not a baptismal place. A creek, like frozen, cold. I mean, it wasn't (laughs) hot. And I remember it it was an awesome moment of... You know, we all on there. We're all on the creek. My dad got the opportunity of participating in my baptism, um, and I remember, like, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they dunked me. And back then, I even told you I saw stuff when I was under the water. Like everything went white, and I came. I think it was just because I let water into my eyes and I couldn't see. But I remember I came up and like it was awesome, right? And we all celebrated. But there wasn't a significance to what just happened. I was eight. I didn't understand things. I didn't know what was going on. But see, there's a difference between that and the day I was saved. And the day that I really received the special revelation of Christ. So, from that day on, I had a constant fear of the rapture of Christ. Christ coming and I wouldn't go. I had a constant fear and I I would talk to my parents about the fear I had. I'd have dreams about Christ coming back and me being left behind. Um... Out of fear. And I just remember I was like 11, 12, and uh, someone told me to go home and watch a video about the rapture. And I was like, yeah, of course. You know, I didn't know what was getting ready to happen. I thought I was a Christian. So we go home, and I, I'll just never forget it. I, I go home, and I actually got in trouble at school that week. So I was writing sentences. So I was in trouble. I feel you. Yeah. So, but for some reason, I, I mean, my mom allowed me to. To quit doing my sentences and just watch this video because it was, I said it's a church video. I can't watch it, you know. So I watched this video and uh, man, this guy, it's just like a video of all the evil things that went on in the world, 9 11, all these things. And it cuts to a section of a pastor preaching. And obviously it's a play, right? They put this on. But he's preaching about how Christ come and literally he got to the point where he said, it can happen in the twinkling of a, and the screen turned white like lightning flashed and he didn't even finish that sentence and i was i mean it's literally like probably like a six minute video it felt like it was 30 minutes and i just sat there and what hit me was it showed the camera throughout the room and there were people that were crying and screaming and falling on their face and calling out to god and it was like god wasn't listening anymore so I'm sitting there as an 11-year-old boy, and I'm like, my eyes are like this big, and I'm like, and my heart's heavy, and I'm shaking, and I don't know what to do. And it was like a still small voice just showed me a special revelation, and it said, this will be you if you do not believe in Christ. So God said, you're lost. So what do I do? 
Well, my dad was in the shower, so I run the bathroom. I'm like, hey, you got to get out, bro. I know you just got in. We got to talk. He's like, well, I'll be out in a minute. What's wrong? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I just really need to talk to you. Like, I feel like if I don't talk to you soon, I'm going to, like, die. So he's like, well, I'll be out in a second. So I go back in there, and I'm, like, telling my mom kind of what's going on. And I'm like, what do I do? And she's like, write your sentences. And I was like, are you serious right now? Like, this is eternal. And you're So I wrote my sentences because I want to listen to my mom. But I never remember. My dad got out, you know, he got dressed, and I went in his bedroom. I mean, it's just one of those things. Nobody was around. Nobody told me. And I go in his room, and I get on my knees. He says, what's wrong, son? And I said, well, I was watching this video, and I said, I think if I die right now, I'm going to go to hell. And he said, really? And I said, yeah. God told me. And then that was the night that, I didn't even know what to pray. I didn't know I didn't know what repentance was. I didn't know those things. I was 11. But I do remember this. Out of a fear, a reverent fear towards God and a conviction of being lost. You know what my prayer was? Jesus, please save me. Yep. I'm lost. Jesus, please. Yep. I think I repeated it. And I, that's all I knew, right? And I got up from that moment still crying. Didn't really know what, what had just happened. But ever since then, I've learned what happened. Through scripture. Yeah. And the reason I wanted us to go around this room is because I was leading it to somewhere. I read in the book of Acts about a man named Saul of Tarsus that persecuted the church, wanted nothing to do with Christ, to a sense he hated him. He hated the gospel. He didn't want anything to do with it. He thought he was doing what was right in God's eyes. And so Saul, one day... Heard about a church in Damascus and things that were going on. He said, well, I'll just go down there and I'll ruin it. He gets on his horse. He gets people with him. He's on his way. He was lost. He had no clue, right? No clue. Now, we're not Saul. We're not Paul. But he received a special revelation that day. On the road, he was convinced, absolutely. He was convinced in his own mind. Yes. Everything I'm doing. I'm right. Until, I, until, in, his, in his own eyes. Yes. Yep. Until Christ said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you hurting yourself? Why? Why are you, yeah. why are you kicking against the prick? You know, I'll, but I bring him up and Alan and me and Josh to tell you one thing that's required. A conviction and an enlightenment that God has revealed to you that you are lost in your sins. That is required before yep. you repent and you believe. Yep. Because if you're not convicted of your sins, you'll come the wrong way or you won't see a need to come. Is that yeah. not the truth? That's exactly no, right. True. You'll come because someone told you to. Yep. You'll come because you got, someone convinced you to. You got caught. You got scared. Yep. You Life got, got hard. Yep. But if you don't come the true way, and by that you're saying, what's the true way? Christ said, I am the way. But Christ also... I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, when Christ, in Luke chapter 15, right, the tax, the Pharisees were grumbling because Jesus was eating with sinners. So we've got the parable of the sheep, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal. So what's Jesus do? He tells the story about the sheep and how it went away, and the shepherd left, and he received it gladly, cheerfully. And at the end of that text, it says that the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. And so that shows me, and that teaches me, when Christ, the reason that Christ would hang out with sinners is because they were at a point, in a place, where he could share the gospel with them. And they would repent. Because, and I got another another text I want to talk about, just real real quick. Acts chapter 2, when Peter preaches his message... He's going through, and this is for Jews, right? So he's telling them about uh, what they did to Jesus. He says that these men aren't drunk. Uh, and then he, in the last days it shall be, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. You know, he's quoting Joel right through there. You get over in verse 22, and he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him. In your midst, as yourselves know, this is Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You've crucified and killed by the hand by the hands of lawless, sinful men. 
God raised him up, loosened the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also did dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your uh, presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence, the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and he's still in his tomb to this day. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with him to an oath, he would not see one of his descendants on, or that he would see one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ that was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Let's talk about Christ. Being therefore exalted to the right hand of God, having received the, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured this out that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus yes. you've yes. crucified. Yes. So what would now what's required for these Jews to believe? Right here. Verse thirty seven. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Conviction is required before belief. Yep. Enlightenment is required before belief. And we can wrap that all into one thing. God's got to reveal it to you. A special mm -hmm. revelation yep. that yes. only he can show you. Right. John 6.44 backs this up. God's got to draw you through yep. something. And that's through the message of the cross. Through the message of the cross, you'll realize a few things. You're lost. You are in need of a Savior. And you will believe in him. Now, a lot of people say, Jesus loves you, just come to him. You can do this, you can do that. No, 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 no. They're adding to things. They're taking away from the truth of the cross. Jesus, when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, or how about this? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. But what else did he say in John chapter 10? He said, I am the door. Exactly. I am the door. Yep. Yeah. So you have to realize that, but you also have to be willing to repent of your sins and believe. Because what, what did Peter tell these guys? He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, when he says repent and be baptized, he's not saying that the baptism is going to forgive you of your sins. Be cleansed. We have to understand that baptism is important. But if you go to Ezekiel chapter 36, and you study when God, the verse, everybody quotes, I'll give you a new heart, I'll give you, do you know before that he said, I'll sprinkle you with water? And wash away your sins and cleanse you. Water in the Old Testament represented cleanliness, being cleansed by God, not physical, literal. I mean, literally, like figuratively. That's why when you get into John chapter three and he looks at Nicodemus, he says, "You must be born of water and of spirit." He's not literally saying water. Actually, my Bible references me to Ezekiel thirty-six, and if my Bible references me to that, then that has nothing to do with physical water. That's talking about a cleansing that has to take place by the Holy Spirit. Correct. Correct. And guys, I, I mean, I'm not trying to jump ahead or get into anything, you know, by talking about the baptism, all these things. But when you go to Acts chapter 16, when you go to these other in, in uh, examples throughout the book of Acts, people say, how do we be saved? You know what they say? Repent and believe. That's it. Yeah. That's what's required. That's it. Yeah. But before that, you're not going to repent and believe unless you know you have to and you need to. And we, we talked about it earlier. We've talked about it in the last week's podcast. It's, uh, you know, pay close attention. You know, the Bible says you're begotten by the Word, drawn by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you your need. Uh, it might be a Damascus Road experience. It might not. It might be that still small voice. True. The Bible, you know, the Bible said he wasn't he wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the. We're uh, saved the same way, yeah. but not in the same place. It was it was that still small voice that was spoken, and the your response, my response, our response to the calling of God is paramount when we repent with a broken heart, contrite spirit, and believe on the name of Jesus Christ. And I mean, God has all power. To reveal to every single person on this earth. And that's why when you look at the message of the cross, it goes out to everybody. The whole yes. world Jesus said it needs to go to. 
And, I mean, Paul even said when the fullness of the time of the Gentiles is over, he'll turn back to the Jews. But we don't know when that time, the fullness, has been reached. And until then, Christ says to go out and tell everybody about the cross and then leave the saving to God. But if someone's truly going to be saved, God's going to convict them, reveal to them, and then they're going to believe, and then they will be saved. There's no what if ands, or buts. If somebody is convicted, they're drawn to God through the power of the Holy Spirit, then they put their faith, they repent, they will be saved. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. We don't have to add to that. That's it right there, right? It's, yeah, it's not, it's not got to be world-beater faith. It's, I, mean, I mean, gargantuan faith. It's mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith. Yes. A little Amen. bit. A little bit. Amen. Um, now, we've kind of answered number two, but what is our faith and belief towards? Woo! Go ahead, yeah. Josh. So, the faith and belief towards, um, I mean, this this question is loaded because the thing about it is, is we, if one said, you know, well, I have faith in Jesus Christ, do we truly? And then it's going to, it's going to be tested at some point in time. We are going to enter a struggle in our life that we might look upon and say, you know, God, where are you? But then, so, you know, is our faith truly that grounded? And, and, and as Alan said, you know, we just need faith of a mustard seed. So, <laughs> I'm, 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 and the thing about this, I don't even feel qualified to answer that question because I'm still learning what faith means. Yes. God's teaching me what faith is yes. through my life. Yeah. But, I mean, we, so we have misguided faith or misplaced faith because there's a lot of things that I have faith in that is here on this world, that worldly faith, if you will. That I don't second guess. I just have faith in it. Right. You know, I mean, I don't get up in the morning and say, you know, are, are my arms and legs going to work today? Mm-hmm. I have I have faith that my arms and legs are going to function just fine. And it's not until something happens that I'm like, oh, wait, what is that? You know, <laughs> but I don't sit there and ever question it. I don't think about it, you know. But, but like I says, when, when it seems like that, you know, when believers or, you know, unbelievers even, you know, I mean, unbelievers will be the one that come to you and say, you know, where was your God? You know, perfect example, this election. You yeah. Know? So where's your God now? The same place he's always been. Yeah. You know, what about this coronavirus? Why is not you know, why would he allow this to happen? And there's all these questions. Yep. That, you know, they, they get brought up. But it's but like I said, our faith needs to be in Jesus Christ yeah, and the work that he did on the cross. Yeah. Nothing we do. Yeah. It's exactly. nothing that we even with the sharing of the gospel message. It's yeah. not ours. Yeah. It's it's his. Yes. So when you um, and Josh, that was that was great. Um, a text I talked about earlier, John chapter ten. I, I flipped over because I, I want to read this because in verse number nine of chapter ten of John, he says, "I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture." So if Christ is the door, Christ is the way. Christ is the light. Christ is the life. Christ is, I mean, when you go through the book of John, right? How I many, you got tons of I am statements. I'm this, I'm yes. this, I'm this. But all of it points to one thing, Christ. Yep. So in this text, if Jesus says that he is the door, and if we enter by him, we will be saved, then that plainly tells us what our faith and belief is towards. Jesus. Absolutely. But him is our savior. The gospel. Remember last week, people, we talked about, uh, our listeners, we talked about the gospel is just the message. But the gospel is the message about Christ. And we believe what is in the message. We put our faith towards what is in the message, the door, Christ. And if we do that, we can enter in by him. And if we enter in him, he says we're saved. Yes. I mean, and that, that's the thing. We, we want to add so much to the gospel message about what you have to do and what you have to say and all. It's just one of the, it's one of those things that listen. They said repent, believe. I want to I want to ask our listeners this. Consider what your answer would be to this question. Your own answer. Answer it out loud. Write it down to yourself. We don't. You don't have to tell me. When you look at your answer, I want you to read it and then ask yourselves: Have I complicated this answer? Because Christ simply said, believe in me, have faith in me, trust me, come to me, all you are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I am the way, the door, and the life. If any man comes by me, right? By him. Now look at your answer. Does your answer say that? 
Does it? Or does your answer add something to that? Because baptism, tongues, this or that, what, what, whatever people want to add to it, you notice that tongues and baptism didn't come towards after Christ was gone. Now, John did a baptism of repentance, absolutely. People were being baptized by the salvation. But do you notice that when Jesus would talk about the salvation message and the gospel message, the word baptized was never really used until what did he say? He said, go out into all the world, preach, share the gospel, and baptize them in my name. But Jesus had already painted the picture of the illustration of salvation before he said that. People get into the book of Acts, and that's where they want to add on to salvation, but the gospel message had already been proclaimed simply in the gospels alone. So if you look at your answer, does your answer line up with what Jesus just said? I'm the door, enter by me. Does your message, uh, or does, does your answer, does it line up? You remember when Jesus in John chapter 6 at the end, it said many disciples fell away, and he looked at the 12, and he said, will you also? And he says, they said, no, you, you have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Yeah. We're coming to you. We're coming to what you're doing. And, and my friends, I hope your answer lines up with what the Bible, the gospel, the words of our Savior said. Because if it says anything else, that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. It really is. Now... You may not agree with me. You may not. Like I said last week, if you don't agree with me when you listen to this podcast, I still love you. I, I mean, that's just part of it. Christ said to love people, yes. right? And I'm going to love you. But that's what our faith and belief is towards. Now, when we look at this third question, is it the gospel that convicts or the spirit? Now, this question right here might stir, stir the pot for some. But I have a very, very biblical answer that we all can lean to if I can get to it Jesus says this in 16 I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you but now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asked me where are you going but because I have said these things to you sorrow has filled your heart nevertheless I tell you that the truth it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Look here in verse 9. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. There's our answer. The Spirit convicts people of their sin. Now, this question says the gospel. Is it the gospel, just the message alone, the message by itself? Does it convict, or is it the Holy Spirit? The message by itself does not convict. The Holy Spirit, when it takes the message, is what convicts. So, guys, when, when you see this text, and, you know, think about how we've all grown up, whether we grew up in church or whether, whether we didn't, we just, we always hear about the gospel, Right? But how important is it for believers to realize that John chapter 16 shows us that the Spirit has to be present or else we're not going to see the fruit that it's that comes. What do you got? What do you think? So, I mean, the scribes and Pharisees had the message. Yes. they. I mean, they had it and they manipulated it and they made it to mean what they wanted it to mean and they put their own spin on it. But when you get under the influence of the Spirit of God, we, we talked about that revelation, that, that experience where it's like, uh, uh, well, well, I think of, you're, you're giving the explanation of a revelation. I, I, I had these pictures of, um, in my mind of uh, like a, uh, the magician who's got the sheet over the statue and he jerks the sheet off and ta-da, there, he reveals what's under the sheet. The Holy Spirit, when he reveals to you your lost condition. You're not, you're not sad because you're wrong. You're not sad because you, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's an, it's a understanding or a revelation that you are hopeless. You have no hope. Right. You're alienated. Yeah. From the, and you can go to 
Ephesians. The Bible says yeah. alienated yeah. from God. Hang on, hang on. Ephesians. Uh, well, while you're looking at chapter two, Alan. Yeah. Alan's painted the picture. It's like you're hanging from a cliff, yeah. and it's either you're going to fall and die, or you're going to call out and say, "Help me." Yes. So, so when when you're when you take that statement, hopeless. How dark is that? How miserable is that? How frightening is that? Yeah, there's a lot of emotions that come with being hopeless. But the fact that you have zero hope aside from accepting Christ. Yes. When you understand that, not just intellectually, but your spirit agrees with it. You're moved to a position now where now what do I do? Just like just like the guys you read about, they were they were cut in their heart. Mm-hmm. And they were in a position. We can't, we can't, we can't yeah. stay in this condition. Yeah, we can't stay like this. We got to do something. Yeah, right. It's like Alan. I was the same way. I couldn't stay that way. Right. I had to do something. Yes. Alan, it's like you said the word hopeless, and usually this is not the route this goes. But I had a a secular hip hop song come to my mind. Not to sing it, but in the song it says, "We found love in a hopeless place." Mm-hmm. That's a contradiction to me. Because how are we going to find love in a hopeless place? How, how Truly, how can one find any sense of love in a hopeful place when we look at the message of Christ and we look at the message of the gospel that says if you look for hope or you look for love anywhere else, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> I don't know what song you're talking about, but I don't know what both of you are doing now. <laughs> yeah, that does not make sense why, to me. Why are you both hopeless? But I bring it up to say this with what you were saying, like, in a hopeless place, it's terrible. Right. But that's the, that, nobody that, wants to be there. That's why the gospel's here, is because it gives us hope. Exactly. So we don't have to live in a hopeless place. Right. I, I mean, I, I just listen to what you, you were saying about. And listen, uh, when the Philippian jailer, which Josh was turned there earlier, but so uh, when you get to the Philippian jailer, right? It says this at midnight, Paul and Silas, so they're praying, right? Okay, so. Uh, the earth was shaking, the doors opened up, you get into verse 28. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. Right? The guy was getting ready to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Hopeless place. Hopeless. Hopeless hope. place. Right? <laughs> and the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. So fear had already struck him about what had just happened. But listen to this. It says, then he brought them out and said. So he brings Paul and Silas out and he looks at him and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So I want you to see this. In verse 25, it says that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So they're saying the singing all these things out loud, right? And so all of a sudden, through the power of God, this earthquake comes. Paul says, hey, don't kill yourself. Quit. We know you're in a hopeless place. Don't, don't do it. So they, he falls down before him. They've been singing. They've been talking about God. And now he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Broken. That, that, Broken. That, that experience of the Holy Spirit, there's a whole lot of things that I can describe just because I've experienced it. There's a lot of things I can't describe because my vocabulary is so limited. But one thing that happens when the Holy Spirit reveals to you your state of hopelessness, mm. one thing that vanishes is your pride. Yes, uh, it's gone. Yep. Yes, your sense of, of self worth is gone. Yep, your sense of uh, uh, entitlement, it's all gone, and your dependence is solely placed on the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Absolutely, exactly. So, Alan, here we go. How have we complicated this? I just want to go ahead and jump into this. If you go ahead. Go ahead. I want you. I want all of our listeners. Uh, first off, let me say this. Clear everything you've ever been taught out of your mind right now. Clear, just let it all aside, and let's let the Word of God do some speaking right now. Right? We do a lot of talking, but let's let the Word of God do some talking Read right it, now. Read it, buddy. Read it. So he, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And in verse 31, they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Bottom line. Whoa, whoa. Let me read that again. Wait, you got to be baptized. But Speaking tongues. Does it say that? No. In this text to this man. No. It says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. So yep. this verse. You got to pay tithes. Okay. So this you verse. Go, you got to go church. The, this verse, like many other verses in scripture, outnumber the scriptures that people take and try to say, no, 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 no. This is how it goes. No. 
Believing in faith in Christ appears way more throughout the whole New Testament as a whole than anything else. So I want you guys to see this. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved, you and your household. Verse 32, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. So they've already told him, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. He asked, what do I do? They give him the answer, he does it. Okay, so let's talk about this. So that same hour, okay, he took them that same hour of the night and he washed their wounds, right? He washed their wounds. So this, oh my, this same man, <laughs> ready? This same man that was had them in jail, Right, he's serving. Uh, he's a Roman. So he's he's serving. Right, the yeah. country. Rome. He yeah. had yeah. no consideration for God. He had no consideration for anything that night. He had a job. He had a job that he was doing. Okay, but all of a sudden he finds himself in a place where he needs salvation. Right. So God's revealed that to him. Right. He's placed it. Everything's lining up with God's plan of someone being exposed to the gospel. So he tells them, he says, what must I do to be saved? They tell him. I want you to see this in verse 33. Read again. So he, the same hour of the night, he washed their wounds. Why would he have even considered washing their wounds when they were prisoners to him 10 minutes ago? Something happened to him. Something took place that changed him. Something took place that transformed him, right? Yes. Because his interest was to serve Rome and to be a prison guard. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but prison guards are not nice. No. They're there to keep people in prison. And so all of a sudden, the same hour... He takes these men down that were in prison that he was watching over and he washes the wounds that they have. Evidence. Old things pass away. All things become new. He was a new creature. He had new motives. He was a new man. How do we know that? One, he let him leave jail because they were only there because of what happened. Listen, conversion of Lydia takes place, okay? So after Lydia saved, verse 16 says, they're going to the place of prayer and were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. We've talked about this. So uh, Paul, you know, he gets irritated and all these, you know, he's worried about her, all these things. And he commands in the name of Jesus Christ that the spirit come out of her, right? So her owners get mad. So they're like raising up a thing. And and all of a sudden, these men and the Jews come together and get them thrown in jail. And they beat them. I mean, literally beat them with rods. That's what the scripture says down in uh, verse 22. So... They're, they're prisoners to this man at first, but now he's letting them go. But now he's cleaning their wounds, and in the same hour... So we've already seen an evidence of a transformation in yes. this man's life. If salvation take place, then what's it say in the rest of the verse? Wash their wounds, and he was baptized at once. So my Bible tells me that the last thing that this man encountered after his conversion was baptism. Now... That's what the Word of God says. I didn't add anything to that, guys, did I? Nope. nope. I mean, literally, you might say, well, you you added in that he was changed. Let's logically think about this. A prison guard is now washing prisoners. Right, you ain't going to do that on just on your own accord. No. If, that was, well, if, they, if he was going to do that, he would have done it And when they were first in there. Yeah, go back to my little little joke that I made about you, you said believe. And I said, oh, you got to go to church. You got to go to church but because I'm saved. I now want to go to church. There's a difference yes. in the way I act. Absolutely. I voluntarily. You don't have to drag me and make me go to church. I voluntarily right. want to. Absolutely. He didn't, Paul and Silas didn't say, hey, wash my straps, boy. Look what we've done for you. Get out here and wash my straps. No, he didn't have to, they didn't make him. He done it voluntarily. And also, it says that he took them. Yes. So he's the one that initiated and yes. took them. And we're not adding nothing. We're just looking at the Word of God. And the Word of God says that a prison guard who was not even caring for these guys at all, all of a sudden he gets, he. they say, believe, you'll be saved. Oh, he believes. Now he's changed. Yep. And then he's baptized. Yep. So after he's baptized, now all of his family is. But you notice this? They went and, uh, and he took them that same night of the hour, right? Oh, no, no, no. Verse 32. He spoke the word of the Lord to him in his house. Oh, so now they're exposed to the word of the Lord before they're baptized. Ah, so what do you think that they told the family? What they told him? Same thing I told him. Oh my goodness. Okay. There was a revelation took place there too. Yes, and when you look at <laughs> the Holy verse, Spirit. So then in verse 34, now, then he brought them up into his house. Come on, guys. 
Why do we have to add things to this verse? Yep. Why do we have to add things to Scripture? Just let it speak for itself. Yep. This man was changed before baptism. Also, I don't see the word that he had to speak in a tongue before he was saved in here at all. Mm-mm. Okay, well, we can X that out. But I want to say this. He takes them, sets food before them. Oh, my goodness. And he rejoiced along with his entire house that he had believed. Ooh, believed. Do you know that ED at the end of the word makes it past tense? Yep. So he believed prior to everything that just happened in that hour of baptism and of them eating the food. So this man had been saved. He believes in God. Now look at this. When it was day, the magistrate sent police saying, Let those men go. The jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to you to let go. Therefore come out and go in peace. But Paul said, They've beaten us publicly, uncondemned. You know, and he's saying, I'm a Roman, and they just beat me up. No, you tell them to come down here and say it to my face. Yes. Same way I came in, I want out. But you notice, <laughs> publicly. listen, they're at his house. They ain't yeah. in jail no more. Yeah. And now all of a sudden... Uh, according to the providence of God, now they're like, well, we'll just let him go. And he's like, Paul, they said let you go. And he's like, uh-uh, that ain't good enough. We're Romans. Get him down here right now. So I just, I say this to say this, guys. How have we complicated all of this? A lot. And I, I, I want, I, you don't see complications start coming up until after the 1500s. The Reformation True. takes place. That's when denomination and division and all of these things start happening. And I've talked to people, and they're like, well, our church name is in Scripture. Then why was the church not called that from the beginning? Right? What was the church of Ephesus called? The church of Ephesus? <laughs> what was the, the church of Corinth? The church of Rome? The church of... The, it wasn't Baptist. It wasn't church of God. It wasn't church of Christ. It wasn't uh, independent, free will, missionary. It wasn't all that stuff. It was just the church of Ephesus. So how have we complicated this? Let's just look at history. It was so simple in in the New Testament times. There wasn't denomination. There wasn't this. There wasn't this theology. There wasn't this theology. They just preached Christ, and people believed and were saved. After the Great Reformation, Martin Luther, amen, he broke them scriptures off that pulpit that the Catholic Church was holding. Amen to that. That needed to happen. God wanted that to happen. But then after that, now we've got, oh, well, we're Baptists. Well, we're Methodists. Well, we're Catholics. You remember, we're you complications. Remember, you remember the, the message that Chad Eddy preached, Divide and Conquer? Yes. There's too much division. Yes. yes. In, the, in, in the family of God. Yes. Uh, call yourself whatever name you want to call yourself. But understand this, the way society is moving, if the body of Christ does not unite over the concepts and the simple principles in God's word and agree on them and promote them, you mark my words, we'll be labeled a a, a hate group yes. before long. Absolutely. And that's the thing. So if you look at the different denominations across the board, they're all secondary. Almost all of them are secondary. Yep, they're not they're they're not salvation issues. They're, no, they're, they're not. They're not. They're not. You know, and but but the, you'll you'll have you'll have um, you have churches though that want to split and divide, and you'll have groups that will acknowledge other groups that. I mean, they look at them worse than the lost because exactly. the lost will go out and witness <laughs> to, but they ain't going to witness to their. You know, that's a true statement. <laughs> it is. That is a true statement. And, I mean, like the, I got, listen, I've got friends in other denominations. I love them. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, I've done ministry with them yep. before. Yeah. Now, we may not agree on secondary things, but good Lord, we know that the good Lord Jesus Christ saved our souls, Absolutely. and we need to preach that. Yep. Yes. I don't hate them. No. I don't dislike them. I love them. Yep. We, better, we, better, I, we better get our eyes on the big picture and understand, understand that God has left us here with responsibility. Yep. We've got a job to do. Yep. And we can sit around and bicker over uh, little minute things that have absolutely very little implication to uh, doctrine whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, render ourselves ineffective in the world and, and yeah. make ourselves a laughing stock in our community because the world's watching us. And that's the thing. The, world, the world's looking at us. Something, to wor- something that's worth breaking ties over is first problems cardinal problems like i know people in this life that they don't believe in jesus at all they don't preach jesus right 
Yeah, they're. I mean, I love them. Right, I'll well, talk to I them. I love them too, but they need to be saved. Yes. They need to be saved because yes. they're wrong. Right. That's something that's like okay. I'm gonna. I'm not breaking bread that, with them. I'm not gonna do ministry with them. I'm gonna break ties with them. But I'm gonna love them and share the gospel. That's with where them. we as a church need to step up and share the true message with them. Give them the opportunity to either accept or reject that. Yes. But we need to be busy about our job. And if they reject it, dust your clothes off and go on to the next place. And I want to say this. Oh, go ahead, Josh. No, go. No, 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 no you. No, I was just going to say, he said about the job. Is that brought me in mind to the text that you sent earlier, that that Luke text? Oh, my, that Luke text. Yes, because that, I mean, you talk about being the, the job, and, and he, it ties right in because it's saying, that, you know, that there I got is. It. There I got is, it. Luke 17, verse 7, we'll start. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him, Come in from the field, come at once and recline at my table. Will he not rather say, will the master not rather say to the servant, prepare supper for me, dress properly, serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward, servant, you will eat and drink. Number nine, does the master thank that servant because he did what was commanded, what was required? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded and required to do, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Duty. Exactly. What we are called to do. Exactly. As a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So let's say this word. <laughs> a work. A do, right? Okay. So let me let me say. We're called to do works and to do our duty after we're saved. Right? Yep. So that's yep. when works comes into play. So let's talk about this. How have we complicated it? The Bible says this in Ephesians 2.9. Not of works. It says this in 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Yep. Yep. Through faith. If right now you're listening to this and you go, well, and you have to do this, and then, no, you're adding to the Word of God. This says, grace, you have been saved through faith. Plain and simple. This is not your own doing. So you didn't do anything to get this. You didn't have to speak the tongue. You didn't have to get baptized. You didn't have to do one, two, three, four, five. You didn't have to come to this service. You didn't have to come up before the church and say this. You didn't have to pray this prayer. It's not of what you do. Nope. Okay. Why is it not of what we do? Why is it a gift from God? Not of a result of works so that no one may boast. Yep. Wow. Okay. There's so, that pride. So, so yeah. let, me, let me talk about something real quick. Works. It's a, it's a gift. Let's talk about what the word works means in Scripture. Aragon. A primary but absolute word to work. Toil. Look here. As an effort. Or occupation. By implication to act, deed, doing, labor, work. So now let me say this. If you say in order to be saved, you have to believe, and then you have to do this, you have now made an, it about an effort. You have now made it about an occupation. Yep. You've made it about a deed or yep. a doing or a labor or work. You have now added to salvation when Ephesians, Paul himself said it's not of an action. Nope. It's not of a work. It's about what happened in the verse above. It's through faith. Yep. That's plain and simple to me. That should be plain and simple to anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't believe us, go back to the Jerusalem Council. They met about it. You know, they're wanting to, okay, oh, you guys that are. Yeah, they're like, people are coming in saying, oh, you oh, got to be wait, circumcised. Wait, 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 wait. If you're, if you're not Jewish and you accept Christ, you've got to be circumcised or you can't go to heaven. No, they met about it. Final ruling, final judgment. It's no, about, you don't. It's about <laughs> faith. It's yes. about faith. And I, I'm telling you guys, listen. We need to pay much closer attention. And listen, I could say this. Things I've learned in my life that people say you have to do. You have to, okay, so here's some things. You have to pray a certain prayer. That's one I've heard. You have to go through a man. That's another I've heard. You have to speak a tongue or it's not complete. I've heard that. You have to be baptized or it's not complete. You have to go to a special service or it's not complete. You have to go to a class or it's not complete. You have to completely be sinless. Your whole life, or it's not complete. Mm. I've heard all of these things through preaching and through doctrine of other churches. And do you know what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells me? They're wrong. Yep. They're wrong. And you're like thinking, well, weren't y'all just talking about uh, not looking for division? I'm not looking for division. I'm just reading what the Bible says. Yep. And it says, it's grace are you saved through faith. Not of works, not of an effort, not of a doing. Why? Because we boast. 
Yep. Yep. So all of those things I listed, if someone does those and then they're saved, if they can turn around and say, well, I've done this, I've done this, I did this process, I did this task. Uh-oh. <laughs> now you're bragging. Yeah, what'd yeah. you do it for? Right. And so I'm just saying this. The Word of God's plain and simple. And when we go through this section about, you know, today we've talked about what's required prior, prior to belief. We've talked about what our faith and our belief is towards. We've talked about what convicts us, the, just the message itself, or does the Spirit have to be present? What do we do at that moment of conviction? We believe. We repent, right? We answer. We're obedient. But we've also talked about how people have complicated it and how churches have complicated it. And this is, this is my plea, is that if you listen to this, you'll come to the same point I came to in my life once. I, was, I got to the point where I was kind of tired of just taking everything word for word because someone told me or because this church, this pastor said this or this theology said this. And I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm, a, I'm just going to put all of that aside. Yes. I'm going to have a clean slate. I'm going to have a clean mind. And I'm absolutely going to come into the Word of God and I'm going to let God teach me. Yeah. And I'm not saying this just because of this year or because of this. I, this took place two to three years ago right. before I even knew, really knew you two, but way before I knew you, Josh. Yep. And so this is a process God took me through because I'll be honest with you. Listen, I was pretty liberal when it came to Christianity coming out of the gate because I listened to a modernized message. So I agree that you could do some things and still be a Christian. But once I got into the Word of God, I was convicted because my opinions were trash in light of God's Word. And I hope that everyone who listens to this is challenged. Because here's the thing. If you're challenged, maybe you don't agree with us, and you're just challenged, I hope it takes you to the Word of God more. Yes. Yeah. I mean, literally. Maybe you get into it more. Maybe you find more Scripture. Maybe, I, I don't know. But I hope it challenges you and gets you in the Word of God. Because, I mean, that's why we're here, is to challenge people and help people about the Word of God. I mean, that's the point of this podcast is to get the Word of God out there and get the message out there and get doctrine out there. And, you know, we talk about theology and all these things. It's all biblical. And I just hope that everyone who listens to this will agree with one thing. Agree with me on this. We all need to study more. Absolutely. We all need to be in the Word more. And if you agree with that, Amen. Then we'll we'll know that God will do His work because the Holy Spirit's our teacher. And if you'll get in the Word of God, He'll teach you. He's been doing it for years. Absolutely. He's good at it. Absolutely. A lot better than we are. And we, listen, we love all of our listeners out there. I know most of the people who listen, we've got to know them or we already know them. Um, And and I love, I love that. And, And I just pray that, you know, people, again, that we're just challenged to get into the Word of God more and to spend more time with God. Because if we're ever going to learn anything new, or if we're ever going to receive godly wisdom, we've got to get to the one that gives it. Yep. And we've got to get into the place where we can find it. And so, guys, do y'all have anything else you want to say? God bless. God bless. Hey, we love you guys. We have a guest coming next week, and I'm just not telling you. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, but didn't you kind of? <laughs> no, I did not. I did not pause on purpose. Uh, we, we love y'all. And, uh, dramatic pause. Dramatic yes. pause. And now we're going to make a dramatic exit. We'll see you guys next time, Lord willing. Bye.